Thank you very much, Barb. Good morning to each of you. How are you doing today? We need to give a quick round of applause to all those that made our church beautiful. Doesn't it look lovely, all the Christmas decorations? So thank you very much, Lydia, and those who helped. The Christmas season is upon us, and what an exciting one it is. I love celebrating Christmas. I love this time of year to be able to uh, spread good cheer and be reminded of Christ's coming, as we're going to learn more about in the sermon today. Well, if you didn't know, I was out last Sunday, and we had uh, a friend of mine, Michael Schumann, deliver the message, and I trust and hope that you enjoyed that time and that he was able to challenge you in your faith and uh, that you appreciated and enjoyed that. Uh, it was a pleasure to, to, to be able to sometimes share the pulpit with others and allow those things to happen. And my wife and I got to spend some time away, uh, thankfully, to uh, enjoy each other's company, celebrate an anniversary. So we just celebrated eight years of marriage. And we even got to bump into Su Suzette while we were... Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> while we were thrift store shopping, so it still was nice because we stayed around town. Uh, I have a few announcements for you guys today that I wanted to uh, share with you. Uh, a, a couple of these announcements are, are praises, but and then we also do have some news that I, I know many of you heard. And um, so first, I, I'd like to start with some of the, the praises first. And one is that the MCC sale that we had been talking about for a while, uh, that it went really well. So as I understand it, $68,000 was raised for the MCC. So we want to praise God for that. So I think that definitely deserves a round of applause. And thank you so much for all of your help with that, buying the, the pork dinners or contributing in other ways. So we give God the glory for that for sure. Another update that we have is, as you know, some of the restrictions have changed in the last couple of weeks. So Arapahoe County is now on what is called level red. Now that doesn't change too much for us uh, because the cap is still at 50 people uh, for what we understand it. It would change if things got to what's called level purple. So for right now, we've been asked to be at 25% capacity up to 50 people, which still keeps us about the same. However, we are asking that you would make yourself known if you are going to be coming here in person. Not because we're, we're taking a formal attendance, but if we do get in a situation where we become more restricted, so for example, if we're brought down to having 10 people, we still want to offer church service to 10, 10 people. We're, I'll preach to whoever can come. <laughs> and uh, so what we'll do at that time is a lottery, so if you make yourself known by one of two ways, you can either email Ginger directly, and she'll put you on a list um, indicating that you would be glad to come in person, or we also have a sign-up sheet that I put on the table back there, and you can sign your name there. And again, that's really helpful. We want you to be able to come to church, but we're also navigating all of these different things so don't, don't feel like you can't put your name on, or if by putting your name on, you're preventing somebody else from coming. 
because in reality, uh, as it is right now, we, we have more room uh, for people to be able to attend service. We just want to be as prepared as we can be, so you're, you putting your name down, information helps us do that. It also will help us with an announcement that we're working on, and as many of you know, I've been um, promoting uh, our upcoming children's choir that we're having here, and we're really excited about that. That's going to be on December 13th. Um, however, we're still navigating whether we can do that, if we have to change the venue, whether we need to go outside, or if we need to get creative. And there's been already a couple ideas that have been pitched um, that we're exploring. So again, please sign up for the sheet and let us know whether you would be attending, because that would really help us as we plan for that on December 13th for His Little Feet. Uh, a last couple of announcements that I have for you guys is we're going to be starting our Advent series officially today, so I'm really excited about that. And to tease you about something else, we have a special announcement, but it will be later on in the service. Um, at this time, I'm going to go ahead and invite Phil up to share with us another important announcement. Good morning, everyone. I'm Phil, one of the elders here, and uh, this time of year, if you'll remember correctly, is discernment time. So uh, this year is a little bit different. Um, as many of you are aware, we've been working on some different committee structure ideas and working on that sort of process, but we do have several positions that we need to vote on, and so we are asking the congregation, so this form is available, and it's going to be emailed to you as well as on the back black table back there. There'll be about 10 or 15 copies back there if you'd like to take it, but there's positions for elders, uh, congregational church chair, and the finance committee. So we're looking for suggestions. Uh, so you can fill this out and turn this back into either myself or Lydia. Uh, Lydia's the chair of the discernment committee. And uh, um, you can email it to us as well. And we are asking that you do this by December 13th. So watch for this, either an email form or get it off the table in the back. And uh, thanks for your help with this. Before I invite Jess up, I do have one more announcement. And I know many of you are aware of this one. I just didn't feel right sharing it in the front end as we were talking about some of the more ongoing things happening in our church. Um, but as many of you may know, uh, Ed Miller passed away this past week. So it was around 1 p.m. on Tuesday, I believe, the 23rd. The 23rd at 1 p.m. Eric, his son, is here with us today. Uh, plans for a memorial service are being made. I'm going to be working with the family this week to figure out those details. I know many of you are ready to um, be able to get more information on that in order to make arrangements so that you can attend. So we're still trying to figure out all of those details. As much as I know, um, if we do get to do it at this church, uh, that we will have the streaming going. But again, more details for that will be provided in the coming uh, days, if not weeks. Uh, just a couple of things to know about that is Eric and I, we, we spent some time together um, before Ed's passing, and we had this beautiful, beautiful moments with Ed. Um, Eric and I, I think on the Wednesday before last, 
we actually both got to spend some time with Ed together. And I, I just want to take some time to share, share with you what that looked like, because I think it was really special. Uh, well, we, we both got there, and Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, they weren't going to let you in. And they, it was already difficult for me to, to get in, but God opened up a door and allowed me to be able to see Ed, and I'm praising the Lord for that, because unfortunately with all the restrictions and things like that, um, I, Ed still needed his pastor to be there to pray with him. And God, through his providence, allowed both of us to, uh, to come in, so we both got to sing some of Ed's beloved songs to him. We even got to call up Charlene Davis, who Jessica orchestrated, um, a special moment where Charlene Davis got to play a song and sing a song for Ed that happened to be one of Ed's favorite hymns that years prior had said, I want that song to be played at my funeral. So Ed got to hear that as one of the last songs before um, going to be with the Lord. But what was particularly special, and I'll share it more uh, in the memorial service, was we got to take communion together. And there's some details to that that ends up being a longer story than I have to share with you today. But it was a beautiful time of being able to share communion, sing songs, read scripture verses. And while we are going to miss Ed very much, um, I know that he lived a good life and that he is with the Lord. And we're celebrating in that because while we mourn at the, the loss of someone that is dear to us who are, we are going to miss, we also celebrate the fact that he is with our God. Amen? And he is in a place, as Revelation reminds us, where there is no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering. So we praise the Lord for that. But I want to invite you, especially during our congregational prayer time, to take some time to pray for the Miller family and all of those details. Because I know when I was talking to Eric that he said, you know, he always envisioned that on the day of Ed's memorial service that there would be hundreds uh, piling in to uh, pay respects to Ed. Well, in reality, we're, we're in a difficult situation where we're restricted by the government and being able to do that. So we're going to do our best to, to make it a beautiful time, but I know that ends up being a little bit different. It's hard when you picture something and hope for something, and it ends up being different than what you would like. So be praying for the family as they're processing the loss of their beloved father during this Christmas season. And uh, so that's all the announcements that I have for you today. We, we have another special announcement, again, that we're going to be sharing in a little while. At this time, I'm going to invite Jessica up to lead us in worship. If you would stand and join me in singing. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. I'm taking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, let 
As I was singing the song with you this morning, as Kevin comes or Phil comes up, I just want to share with you that I imagined Ed in heaven for his first advent with Jesus, and that brings joy to my heart because I know that he's where he wants to be. So, as a part of our worship, uh, we give of our tithes and offerings. So, I'd ask that uh, you join me in prayer as we bless the offering. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the joy of gathering together this morning to worship you, for your gift of life, for the freedom to enjoy it, and the blessings that you so graciously give to us. Lord, uh, in, this, in this season of Thanksgiving, may we each take time to reflect on what it is that we have to be thankful for in our lives. We now bring before you these gifts, bless them, and may they be used to glorify your name. Amen. This first Sunday of Advent is hope, and so we will be singing My Hope is Built. Never. 
Before we begin our time of congregational prayer, just Barb has something she'd like to share with the congregation. So go ahead, Barb. So we've just celebrated Thanksgiving, and I have an announcement about something to be thankful for. And in the spirit of Advent, I bring tidings of great joy with my announcement. And in the year of COVID, with anxiety and fear and grief and loss and riots and unrest and election ugliness and fear of getting together with families and friends, we all need some good news, right? Can I get an amen for that? I'm following Kevin. So, are you ready for some good news? Somebody said all I talk about is money. So, our good news is that Stan and I are moving to Florida and we're going to be beach bums. <laughs> no, that's not it. Okay, so for the first time since 1996, and the first time in 24 years, Peace Mennonite no longer has a mortgage payment to make. <laughs> peace, peace, peace Mennonite no longer has a mortgage. We are debt free as of a week ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I know some of you are thinking, wait, 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 what, what, what's going on? So some of us have been waiting and hoping for this day for a long, long time. And Carol was one of them. And he had stock that he had bought a long time ago and in his will, it specifically, specifically stated that any balance left was to go to paying off the mortgage of the church. And we had to sell the stock and use some of it for his living expenses. But at the same time, our mortgage was becoming smaller and smaller. And so when Carol died, 
and the amount that was left and the amount of the mortgage was pretty much equal. And so Carol has the honor of paying off the mortgage of our church. And I think he's up in heaven right now, uh, grinning down at us right now and being very pleased. So thank you, Carol. Thank you, Carol. <laughs> um, Carol gets the honor of making the final payment, but there's been lots of help from others over the years uh, in reducing our loan balance. And we can't forget the Denver area Mennonite churches and the, how the Rocky Mountain and Western District conferences and many people from the Denver area and others from out of state gave money, time, and labor to build our church. And later, Gordon's mom, Gloria, left us some money in her estate. And that took a big chunk off of the balance. And then in 2011, we paid off another chunk. And in 2012, we had the huge estate sale of um, seasonal decorations. And when I decorate for Christmas and Thanksgiving, um, I, and put all the things out that I bought at that sale, I still smile and uh, think about what fun that, that um, sale was. And that year we also had a special over and above Thanksgiving offering. And with the combination of that offering and the estate sale, we paid off our second mortgage plus had some extra to put towards the principal on our first mortgage. So we took off a chunk there. And then in 2013, we took Mar uh, money that Carol had donated um, and which wasn't used for the original purpose and used it for extra principal payment per Carol's wishes. And so another big chunk came off then and then we were also doing well enough um, during, um, uh, well enough financially during that time that we were making extra monthly principal payments for a couple of years. And then in 2015, people in our church donated some extra money towards the principal. And in 2016, one of our members started a push to reduce our mortgage with a challenge to us to donate money and some other people joined in and plus we added some reserve money from our accounts and we were able to take another big chunk off of the principal balance then and all along all of you have donated money faithfully every month to the church to pay the bills which included our regular monthly mortgage payment so we've all had a part of our payoff. And don't stop giving now because we still have monthly bills to pay. <laughs> but we can also start looking at some of the big, big projects that have been uh, needing attention. Um, you know, we still have a squirrel problem. We've got carpet that has been here originally. We've got projects, and, but we can also start dreaming about what we want to do. So it's a big day for us. And 
we want to celebrate more in the future um, when we can all get together again. I'd love for Leonard and Joanne Weeby to come join us as they were our founding pastors, and it was through their efforts that we became a church congregation and, um, and we built this building. And by the way, I've talked to them um, this week and they're doing well. Leonard um, had a big garden, had 16 tomato plants this summer and beans and grew a bunch of other things, so they're doing very well. Um, we're hoping that COVID will die down again in the spring and, and we can do a big celebration. Um, but in the meantime, if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey, you know that when somebody um, becomes debt-free, they do a debt-free scream. And so I want all of you to join me with that. And even, even those that are watching on live stream and um, raise some noise to celebrate now. So everybody stand up, grab your noisemakers. We passed out noisemakers to everybody here at church. And I'll do the countdown, and we can all scream, we're debt-free, and then we'll make some noise, okay? So are you ready? Okay. Three, two, one. We're debt-free! Well, that is good news, Barb. And can you tell Barb's excited about this? <laughs> For other uh, things on our congregational prayer list, you know, we, uh, Kevin already talked about Ed passing away. And so we want to remember Ethel and the kids, Eric and his siblings, and uh, remember Ed's life. Uh, Ed touched my life. I remember him when I was a lot younger. And uh, so uh, Ed touched just a lot of people. That's the only way to put it. So let's uh, remember to pray for, for the Miller family as well this morning. You know, this is the Christmas season, and sometimes this year is just going to be so dramatically different than what we normally see in, in, in terms of traveling to go see family or friends, but families primarily are getting together. And so this year is going to be exceptionally hard, I think, on, on some people. And so let's pray for people in their lives and how things are going to be different and how this could be upsetting for some and uh, will affect them. But we want to also celebrate the great things like the paying off the mortgage, but also the MCC, the Midnight Central Committee uh, sale that normally held in Rocky Ford and the money that was raised for Midnight Central Committee. And uh, also would like to ask for prayers for elders and council here at Peace Mennonite. We've been working on mission and goals for the coming years and updated committee structure uh, plans. So ask for your prayers on, on that as well. Are there any other prayers that anybody would like to, uh, Kevin?
Okay, thanks for sharing that, Kevin. Anybody else here? We'll give Kevin just a second here to check. Ford was just sharing with me that Gene isn't here this morning. I noticed he wasn't. He always is. And uh, Gene found out, he lives in Windsor Gardens, and Gene found out that two people within his block or his floor or his building there had, have passed away from COVID, so he's being extra careful and not going out right now. So let's pray for Gene as well. And those that lost their lives due to the COVID there in his building. Uh, Kevin, nothing there. Okay. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's bow our heads in prayer, if you would, with me. Heavenly Father, we are in your presence here this morning, and we're here to worship you and to celebrate your work in our lives and in the lives of this congregation. Lord, open our eyes to your vision, to your plans for Peace Mennonite here and the community in Aurora. Lord, we look to you for guidance on on what you'd like to have us do and what direction and what programs that you see us doing here in Aurora that would benefit people outside of this congregation as well as within this congregation. Lord, we look for your direction. Lord, this morning I want to pray for the Miller family, Ethel and Eric specifically, and Lord, we pray for all the people that Ed touched in his life and all the work that he did as a minister for all these years. Lord, we we ask your blessing, continued blessing on all those people. And Lord, we as we enter the Christmas season here, we would pray for families that normally get together that aren't going to be able to and how this will affect them. Lord, help them to find new ways to celebrate Christmas in your name. We ask your blessing for each of these people. And Lord, we also want to celebrate this morning for, for Tuesday's Mennonite Central Committee sale or auction that went on, even though it had to be changed this year dramatically and we couldn't meet in person and, and bid on items and buy items, Lord, but we were able to do it online and raise the, the kind of money that we did. And Lord, we also celebrate the paying off the mortgage here and uh, look to you for direction on how to use this money that used to be spent on the mortgage and is it, you know, working on projects here or is it reaching out and touching other people outside and how that might look and what that might be lord we pray for serena this morning for her parents and the covid situation we want to remember them and we also pray for her friend that's homeless that uh, was living in her car and now lost the car lord and is out on the streets we ask that uh, you bring comfort to her and guides and bring be able to see her to her to see a way out of this situation. And Lord, we want to pray for Gene this morning. Is normally with us and maybe he's watching us on live stream this morning. Lord, we pray for you, Gene, that the Lord will touch you and keep you safe, and uh, that we miss him here this morning. Lord, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. would stand and um, 
continue in worship with me.
seated. For the first Sunday of Advent, I'll be reading from Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions, decisions for the poor on the, of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and fruitfulness will the sash around his waist. Um, Kevin asked me to talk a little bit about one of my favorite traditions from Christmas. Um, and one of the things I find most meaningful at Christmas is the Christmas Eve service and the candle lighting when we sing a Silent Night. Um, I've been to many services, mostly here at Peace, of, these, of this sort. Um, but I really love when we sing that song, and we, the, usually the lights are down low, and um, the candlelight passes from person to person until the whole room is, is lit up. And it seems like what a fitting way to celebrate Christ's birth and also how, show us how God's love spreads um, throughout the world. Um, and from this, I get hope. Thank you so much, Lena. As many of you know, we have been journeying through the book of Acts. The reason why we're doing this as a church is because we as a body of people here at Peace Mennonite Community Church believe that the Lord is calling us into a season to live more missionally, specifically to see our church as God's sent people to the world. That is, that we are the light of the world, the people that have been sent out and commissioned to be able to share his love and his light with others. While I love being able to preach in Acts and look at the early church and how they responded to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and this great mission that we're on, uh, we're going to take a break from this season to celebrate something that is still very much in line with what it means to live missionally, and that is to celebrate Advent, the season of Christmas, the time of year where we recognize the birth of our great Savior. Amen? Before I jump into this message, though, I want to invite you for a time of prayer. I call this a prayer of intent, where we once again set our hearts and our minds and focus them to the Lord with great expectation that what we are about to receive in the message is something that we will plant in our hearts in order for it to grow into fruit that will benefit ourselves and others. So will you pray with me? 
Father, we thank you so much for being in this season of Advent, a time where we prepare our hearts for the beauty of Christmas. Be with us during this time. Help us focus our eyes and our hearts on the true meaning of what Christmas means, that you came into this world as a child, not to judge the world, but to redeem the world. Father, we pray over this message that the words that are spoken in this place would be words that honor you, that uplift your name, and most importantly, that proclaim your truth and the good news of the gospel. We thank you for your great work in our lives, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm just going to make sure that I got, yep, perfect. You guys hear me okay? Everyone can hear me okay? Awesome, awesome. So Christmas is upon us. You know, I love this time of year, and it's so easy for me to anticipate what is coming, right? We decorate the church as we do every year. We start to maybe go and shop for a Christmas tree, or if you're one of the, the other category of people, you assemble your Christmas tree. <laughs> My wife and I, we, we, we love this time because we get excited for these little traditions. You know, had this been a normal year, maybe we would find ourselves strolling in the mall, listening to Christmas music in Macy's and enjoying all the wonderful things that come with Christmas. You know, what's amazing about Christmas is despite living in a world or a country that has really disconnected more and more from God, we could still see the trickle of Christmas taking effect in our, in our land, right? That regardless of wherever you are, you'll still maybe hear songs sung about Christ and His coming, about the Lord and all of these things. Yet with tradition, there comes an opportunity in some ways, or maybe an opportunity might be the wrong word, but with tradition or rhythms, there, there comes a way of sometimes diminishing its power or its effect on our lives, right? That the routine of something can sometimes take away from the power of what is happening. I want to take some time this morning to talk about why we celebrate Advent, why this time of year is so special, why this time of year is more than just the gift giving, it's more than the added weight in our bellies, it's more than all of the decorations and the lights that we see up. That could be a part of it, but it's so much more than that. See, if you didn't know we celebrate Advent because the early church celebrated Advent. They started this tradition around 380 A.D. And the reason why it came about, and where I'm going to give you some information that will be coming onto the slides pretty soon, is this word Advent that we hear during this season actually came from the Latin word Adventus which originally found its way from the Greek word parousia. What does this word mean, parousia? 
You actually see it come up quite frequently in the New Testament. Of course, it doesn't come up in in the Greek. It comes up in the English, but it's used multiple times in the New Testament, around 24 times, and it specifically means coming. Now, I like how it's used in Matthew chapter 24, and I encourage you to read that on your own time, but specifically Jesus is using the word parousia right here, not just speaking about the fact that the Messiah has come, but that the Messiah is coming again. And that's where we get this powerful word, Advent. It's that Christ has come into the world, but that he is coming again. So the Christians in 380 at the Council of Sergosa decided that they were going to double down on this season. You see, there was this heresy going on at the time that started to diminish the work of the church or diminish the understanding of the church with its theological understanding of who Christ was. And it started to believe this heretical idea that that the physical form, that our bodies, that our flesh were not good. Maybe you've heard of this if you've ever done any early church history, but this is the belief that kind of came out of what's called Gnosticism, and we actually still see some of the remnants of that today. So these heretical people started, trying, started to try to get other people to believe that anything physical, anything of the flesh was bad. So the church's response to this was to recognize the greatest moment in the, in the history of our civilization when God became what? Flesh, as we read in John chapter 1, right? So the church decided that they were not going to allow this heresy to spread. So they started celebrating Advent because it was the single greatest moment in the history of the world when something of flesh brought about a great hope in this world. Now, why do we celebrate it in December? Is it because Jesus was born exactly on December 25th? Most likely not. Most, most theologians think that he might have been born sometime in the spring. But the reason why the early church decided that they were going to celebrate it on December, and specifically December 25th, was because the winter solstice marked the darkest time of the year. See, if you keep up with your calendar, you would know that June 21st, which also happens to be my birthday, is the the time of year where, where there's the most sunlight, right? It's the longest day of year, which lines up perfect for me, right? I always tell my wife, see, I was a blessing when I came into this world. <laughs> well, in December, around the 21st or the 22nd, marks the winter solstice, the time of year where there is the least amount of sunlight, where we are dealing with darkness 
literally more than any other moment. So the early church decided that they were going to celebrate Christmas around the time of year where darkness surrounded them because they believed that that is exactly what Christ did. Christ came at our darkest time of life, came where darkness was all around us and brought forth a great light. Isn't it beautiful to know these things? You see, it's so easy to get lost in the traditions to forget the reasons why we celebrate all of these beautiful traditions. I mean, think about it. Since 380 AD, here we are, over 1,600 years later, still celebrating the fact that Christ has come. But also that Christ will come again. You see, sometimes we get that wrong with Christmas. We celebrate His coming, we, sell, we put out the nativity scenes and things like that, but we also need to remember that Advent is a time where we celebrate the fact that He will come again. You see, when Lena came up here and shared her Christmas tradition, she lit this candle which represents hope. Now, the hope candle that we light is more than just hope. It's hope that came out of the prophets. You see, that's what the hope candle represents. It's a candle of prophecy, that, that the, the forerunners of the Messiah were willing to risk their lives to proclaim great truth over the hope that would come through the Messiah. I want to take a moment now and talk a little bit more about hope. Why does hope matter? You know, as I'm looking around the room, I just noticed that a couple of you are literally wearing face masks that say hope on it. Why does hope matter? I think in order to answer that question, we need to look at what it what does it mean to hope? The definition of hope, according to the Oxford Dictionary, says this, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. That's what hope means, is we desire for some sort of result or some sort of thing to happen in our life, and with great expectancy, we wait on that. You see, hope is so important because it allows us to look forward to something. Isaiah 11.1, 1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. I'll be preaching out of there today. Lena already read um, it to you, and we will put some of the verses today on the screen. Let me just go ahead and flip to it. Isaiah 11.1 1 says this. A shoot will come up from the stump 
of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. Why was this so important? That a shoot would come up from the stump of Jesse, from, a, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. You see, if you knew what was going on in the time of Isaiah, you would have known that the, the, the kingdom of Israel was at a, a crossroads, if you will. They've had king after king who, depending on whether they lived well, was either bringing them further down the road of corruption or offering Am I off on this? The battery died? I'm on, but... Okay, here we go. I'm back. <laughs> Specifically, king was... I'll just use this. Specifically, when a king was following in the ways of the Lord, they would, it would specifically say this in Scripture, that, that they were living like King David. And who did King David come from? A father named Jesse. So this prophecy here marks an incredible moment of hope for Israel. The nations were starting to surround Israel at this time. Specifically, the Assyrian nation was starting to put pressure on Israel. And Isaiah prophesied the later capture in exile that would come in the land of Israel. Now, if you were to ask me if that is a message of hope, I would probably say, not so much, buddy. Right? Who wants to hear news that one day things are going to be captured and you'll be exiled? It's all right, Abel. I'll just use this mic here. But in the midst of this reality, Isaiah writes that out of the branch of Jesse, somebody is coming. And that somebody is going to bear fruit. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a situation like this, where eventually you would see your land taken, eventually maybe you would be taken from your own land and put in a foreign place away from your friends, family, and loved ones, what that would have looked like. But to read a verse like this, to hear the hope in it, all I know is that that, is, that would be something that I would need, right? When we reflect on our own lives and we think about our own world and the problems that we face and the struggles that we have, we need to realize that not much has changed, right? That whether we're in the 8th century or we're in the 21st century, we're still facing struggles, we're still facing problems. We're still facing things that sometimes fight against us in life. This leads me to my first point that I'll be making today. And that is that there is nothing new under the sun. But take hope. King Solomon said these words, not the but take hope part. But the, there's nothing new under the sun. 
church, there will be struggles in life. Church, there will be moments in your life where you feel like you're being hit harder than normal or hit harder than your neighbor. Life has a way to sometimes uh, hit you in unexpected moments and seasons. Let's think about what we're going through right now as a, as a world, right? With everything happening, with Christmas upon us and Thanksgiving behind us, and just all the differences that this year has brought forth that were very unexpected. And I think in a season like this, the temptation is to lose hope, to feel like this is the best that life is going to offer us, that life will only go in a downward trajectory where things get worse and worse and worse and worse. But you see, we light this hope candle not just to give you a false sense of security, but to keep up with the truth and the reality that there is something to hope in. Or better said, there is someone to hope in. You see, Advent is a season where we are reminded that yes, we might be faced with problems. Yes, darkness might be all around us. Yes, these problems continue to reoccur in the world regardless of what generation you live in. But we take hope. Because there is a marvelous Savior there's a marvelous God who loves us enough to come into a dark place like this world or maybe a dark place like our own lives and be the light and the hope of this world. We need to learn how to hope. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Church, there might not be anything new under the sun. We might continuously face different seasons of life that are reoccurring themes of, of blessing and then, and then tragedy. But we can always hope in God. And I want to encourage you in this Christmas season to do that more strategically. What do I mean by that? Do that more strategically. What I mean is, is take the time out of your day or your rhythm to put your hope in Christ. To do things that are a little differently that allow you to focus on the hope that you have in him. We might live in a divided nation. And we might have divided hearts. But we should never allow our division or the troubles that we are experiencing to ever take us away from the hope that we can have in Christ. The second point for today's message is that Jesus is 
the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. I want to ask you how Jesus is described in this passage in Isaiah. Take a, time, take a second right now to look at it, to, if you have your Bibles with you, to look at how Jesus is described in Isaiah 11 here. Look specifically at verse 2. I'll read a little bit of this for you. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. The word here, spirit, that is used in the Hebrew is ruach. And it's the same word that is used in Genesis 1 when it's talking about this spirit that's hovering over the waters. So here you see the spirit of Jesus. And what is the spirit of Jesus like? I'm going to show you on the screen here. The spirit of the Lord so Jesus has a spirit that is of the Lord. It's a spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, of might, of knowledge, and of fear of the Lord. That is the spirit that Christ comes with, church. Those things. And if I, I'm sure if I were to ask any one of you if those things are good things, every single one of you would say absolutely, 100%, yes. That every single one of those items is a wonderful thing to experience and to have in someone that we call our Messiah and our Savior. You see, that is exactly what Jesus brings into this world, church. He brings that spirit with him, a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of understanding. So that means that every single person in this life can trust and hope in Christ because this is the kind of person that they're hoping in. You see, we don't just hope in a person that is empty, that offers promises that never pan out, and we don't hope in a person that lacks any character, but this is the kind of person we put our hope in. Someone that has all of these qualities, might, understanding, a fear of the Lord. And I want to remind you that in this season of Advent, to place your hope in Christ and to take the time to do that in a way that maybe you haven't done that this year or in recent seasons. You see, that is the beauty of Advent. That Christ came into this world. And because of that, we have a great hope. I hope that each of you during this season will do something differently.
something to remind yourself of the great hope that you have in Christ. Maybe it's attending our Christmas Eve service on December 24th. (laughs) But maybe it's doing something else. Whatever it is that it's unique to you, I'd encourage you to fix your eyes on the one true hope of this world during this Christmas season. Amen? One thing that I'm doing is every single Christmas I do the same thing. And I'm trying to add on to the things that I do, but one of the the small things that I do is I have a Christmas devotional, an Advent season devotional that I read from one of my favorite um, authors, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he has a wonderful Advent devotional that I read um, that really strikes me every year. He wrote this Advent devotional um, mostly during his time in, in a Nazi prison camp as he was writing letters to his fiance, and he would die there eventually. But I read that every year because it reminds me so much of the reason why we celebrate this season. So that's one, that's one thing that I do. Whatever it is for yourself, find one way to celebrate this season and to place your hope in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being able to place our hope in you. We thank you for the great history of the church and being able to stand up and speak truth when people try to diminish truth. And we just pray in Jesus' name that even though this season has been marked with a lot of difficulties, that we will continue to place our great hope and our expectations on you. We thank you, Father, for all the wonderful things that you are doing in us and through us. And we celebrate on all of the beauties that our church got to share with each other today. We thank you so much, Father, for your coming and the fact that you are going to come again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He is faithful. If you would please stand and sing Great is Thy Faithfulness with us.
one last reminder for each and every single one of you as you're taking time in the coming weeks to do things that place your mind and your eyes onto Jesus to think about him as the hope for your life. I want to ask you to also consider how you can be, how you can bring hope into somebody else's life. You see, if Jesus is the light of the world, light coming into darkness, that means that we as Christians who have been empowered with the Holy Spirit are also light in darkness, that we get to represent uniquely God and his kingdom. So I ask and encourage each of every single one of you to be a light to somebody else during this Christmas season so that you can bring hope into someone else's life. Well, normally I'll dismiss you guys with saying go in peace, but during this Advent season, I think what we'll do instead is talk about each one of the candles uh, every week. So instead, I will say to you, may you go with hope. Amen.